Back in the summer, my youngest daughter and I, <clears throat> we went to see Spider-Man. Uh, Homecoming, anybody see Spider-Man? You should see it. It's a great movie. Um, very entertaining. I was a little disturbed about how much they aged Marissa Tomei, but that's a whole other topic we talk about after the service. Nonetheless, we're, we're there, we're watching Spider-Man, and um, we, we happened to sit in front of somebody who thought it was a good idea to call out whatever appeared on the screen. The, the movie's going, and she would say, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Doritos. She, she said Doritos when there was a Doritos bag on the screen. Now, uh, since I'm your pastor, you'll be happy to know I didn't slap her. Um, I wanted to. If the theater hadn't been so close to our church, um, and people might know that I'm a pastor, I probably would have, just full confession. Um, but I didn't. I, I, didn't, I didn't slap anybody. Uh, before Spider-Man started, they're playing the previews. You know, now there's like two hours of previews before a movie, and so we're, we're about an hour and a half into the previews. And um, the previews comes up for a movie um, called Wonder. And the movie has uh, Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson in it. And uh, it's a story of this, their son. They have a daughter and a son. And their son is born with a, uh, a genetic uh, uh, issue that causes... Uh, deformity, especially facial deformity. He goes through just lots and lots of surgeries. And uh, you can imagine that if you were the parent, just how protective you would have been. His name's Augie. How protective you would have been of Augie. I think I would be. And that's the way his parents were. They tried to shield him from the cruelty of the world and of other kids. And so they homeschooled him for a long, long time. Um, very careful about where they went and what they exposed him to. But they reach a point where they realize, like, we can't do this forever. Like, we can't hide him in our home and, and protect him from other people forever and ever. And so around the beginning of middle school, they decide it's time for Augie to, to go to a public school and to begin to integrate and for us to kind of parent him through that. And I can only imagine <clears throat> how difficult of a decision that would be if you were actually in that in that situation. And so the whole story, I'm not going to give away the story. The whole story is about this transition for Augie in meeting friends and dealing with the response of other people and, and kind of handling what that's going to be like. I was, I was so taken by this preview uh, that not long after that, I went out and bought the book and uh, vacation, read it in like two days, just fabulous book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to pick it up. And uh, the movie actually comes out this Friday. So I'm going. I don't know if you're going to go. Come with me, whatever. Let's go. I'm going. I'm going to cry the whole time. And like, I don't cry in movies. That's kind of lame in my opinion. I'm, I'm going to cry from the beginning of this movie to the end of the movie. It's just going to happen. And I'm okay with it. Um, just a beautiful movie. But, but seeing this preview, and probably if yours is like mine, Facebook is like lighting up with all the previews right now of it. If you're watching any of the previews, and, and then as I read the book, I got to thinking about us, um, Jesus followers. And the fact that those of us who claim to, to follow Jesus, like we interact with people all the time. And, and some of them are outcasts. And and some of them are alone, 
And some of them you would never know it from the outside. Like there's not a physical thing that you can see. They're just, they're just other than. They're separated. They, they're, they don't connect. And, and what's our mission in a world like that? What are we supposed to do when there, there really is a world of little Augies and big Augies everywhere that want to connect and, and maybe things have been said to them or about them or they've been left on the, on the outside in the fringe? And, and what, what do we do with that? When we think about the world that we live in, we have lots of ways of describing the world that we live in. Most of them aren't positive. Uh, we, we say things like, man, it's a tough world out there, right? It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. We have all of these phrases. Sometimes we say it's a big world out there. And all these opportunities, it's a big world. And sometimes we say it's a small world, right? Like, hey, you know that person. I know it's a small world. It's a small world. Yeah. We have all of these phrases. You know how nobody ever describes the world? Nobody ever says, you know what? It's just a really kind world out there. People are so kind. Nobody gets to the end of the evening news and turns it off and go, man, my faith in humanity is just so restored. There's so many good people in the world. People are so kind. Nobody scrolls through their Facebook, their Twitter feed. It gets to the end of it and sees all the responses and goes, man, people are just so kind to things that they say. Nobody, nobody describes the world as a kind world. And, and, and yet, we as followers of Jesus... We are commanded in the Bible, be kind, do it, be kind. As you interact with people, as you live in a tough world, a dog-eat-dog world, when you live in this world that has so much bad news and negativity, almost 2,000 years ago, this guy wrote in the Bible, be kind. His name is Paul. Lived in the first century, Jesus follower. Uh, started a lot of the early church as the church is sort of having its genesis, it's getting going. Paul is starting churches, we call it planting churches, and he's pastoring them for a little while. And then he's going to another city and he's doing it again. And then he starts writing letters back to all of these churches. Uh, giving them encouragement and instruction and trying to help them solve problems. Our study, uh, this Be Kind series, we're rooting it in two verses from Paul. One to a church in Ephesians, uh, in Ephesus. The, the book is called Ephesians. Paul writes this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind. Pretty simple. Now, this is a verse that we often teach our kids. Uh, if your kids grew up in church, grow, growing up in church, if they're in Journey Kids, if, if they come to Wednesday night kids program, if they go to VBS, if, if they go to summer camp, they're going to be taught that verse because we teach that verse to our kids. Be kind to one another. We have them memorize it. Say it after me. Be kind to one another. We teach our kids to memorize this verse. They make crafts with like popsicle sticks and glitter. Be kind to one another. We teach this verse to our kids. But here's the problem. Paul was not writing to the kids ministry when he wrote this verse. He's writing to big people. He's writing to us. He's writing to adults. Be kind. He wasn't trying to teach the kids to, to learn to share their crayons. Right? Or let other people play with their toys. He wasn't, 
trying to get the kids to stop hitting each other or pulling hair or biting. Right? My first two kids were biters. I don't know how your kids were. I mean, some of you might not know that. My first two kids were biters. So I, it, it, you look at my, they're, now, they're beautiful girls. They're sweet girls most of the time. They, they did great. We couldn't be prouder. But when they were little, my first two, biters. Like we dreaded going to the nursery after church on Sunday because we would find out whose parents we needed to go apologize to. <laughs> like if we're on the way to the nursery and a kid's coming out with like a big red mark, Callie, right? Like I know that bite mark. Yeah, that's my, and I was the pastor. So that made things worse. That we we're having to apologize to all these parents because our kids keep biting their kids. My kids were biting. Well, Paul's not trying to straighten out the biters. Be kind to one another. We use this verse with our biting kids. Be kind to one another. Stop doing that. That's not who he's writing to. He's writing to big people. He's saying, look, be kind. Be kind in your interactions with other people. Be kind in the words that you choose. Be kind in what you post. Be kind in the actions that you take. Be kind. And the same God that inspired verses like, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That same God, you know what He also inspired? Be kind to one another. The same God that had Paul write, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. The same God that inspired that wonderful theological idea inspired the same author to write, Be kind to one another. Be kind. Now, we have a tendency to complicate things. And, and let's be honest. There are some complicated things in the Bible. There are some thoughts and ideas and theological principles that are really complex. They're, they're hard to kind of wade through. As a matter of fact, there are some concepts in the Bible that people have been debating for almost 2,000 years and still can't agree on. We're still not real sure what this says because he says it means this, but they say it means the opposite. Like this has been going on for almost 2,000 years with some of the issues in the Bible. This isn't one of them. Like be kind's not one of them. It's really simple and really clear. Be kind. Paul says something very similar in Colossians, another one of his letters. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. As God's people, like if you name the name of Jesus, like if you believe this world isn't all there is, like there's a whole other kingdom out there and God's doing something great in this world and he's bringing his kingdom into this world. If you believe that, like if you follow Jesus, if that's you, then clothe yourself with kindness like every day. Like getting up and getting dressed. It should just be a part of you. You would not go out in public without getting dressed. Would you? Am I right? You may need a different message. Uh, like you wouldn't go outside naked. That's what Paul is saying. Look, if you name the name of Jesus, like, like if you're committed to an eternal kingdom where God reigns, then every day, just like you put on clothes, be kind. This isn't hard. It's not complicated. Just be 
kind. Now, the problem is, of course, that it's not complicated when it comes to our kids. When we tell them to be kind, we know what we want them to do. We know how we want them to act. The problem is we complicate things as adults. We make things more difficult than they really are. They, oh, we get smart. Right? We have life experiences. We make everything complicated. This is not complicated. Be kind to one another. Here's one of the ways we, we complicate it or we overthink it. In our spiritual life, we, adults, we tend to emphasize what we should stop and forget what we should start. Right? We tend to emphasize the thou shalt nots, and the thou shalt nots are there for reasons, right? There's a good reason to not do all the things that are in the Bible. But sometimes in our spiritual life, we stop at the thou shalt nots. We stop at, well, I don't do that, and I don't do that, and I don't do that. But we don't ever start the things that we're told to do, like be kind. In the two passages, Ephesians and Colossians, before Paul tells everybody to be kind, he gives a list of things we should stop doing. Like, don't get, get rid of anger and bitterness and slander and lying. Get, all, get that out of your life. And then he segues right into, and oh yeah, start doing these things. Like, be kind. Like, that's one of the things you need to start doing when you stop doing all of the other things. See, the problem is, just because we stop the negative thing doesn't mean we've started the positive thing. I mean, sometimes we draw a finish line where there's not a finish line. Like, well, I don't do that anymore. Okay, but what are you doing now? Be kind. <clears throat> it may even be true that if we start doing the things we're commanded to do, it would help us not do the things we're commanded not to do. Like if we started being kind to someone, it would be much harder to be angry with them. It would be much harder to slander them or gossip about them or lie about them. Maybe if we started doing the positive end, to be kind and compassionate, forgiving, and bearing with one another, if we started doing that, it'd be easier to not do the other things that we're supposed to not do. Here's another way we complicate this be kind. We think we can't be kind in the real world. Oh, you don't know where I work. You don't know the people that I'm around. Well, they'd take advantage of me if I started being kind to people. Uh, it just wouldn't work. It's good for Sunday morning. You know, that's a good talk. Good job. But I got to go to the real world. And then we have this mind, and we don't often say it, but we have this idea that, well, that stuff we talk about on Sunday doesn't work on Monday. Try it. I mean, what if we just tried it? What if we just decided for the next week, I'm going to try what Paul said, I'm going, to, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to put this into practice. Sometimes, and I know the world that we live in and the arguing on social media and the politics, and I know all of that stuff, but some of us have developed this real defensive posture about everything. Like we're, we're, we're always anticipating what somebody's up to or what they're trying to get or What's, they're not going to listen to me or give me my part or I'm not going to get what I deserve. And so we develop this real defensive, sometimes angry, sometimes calloused part. I mean, you do that long enough and you, you become like this one big sharp edge that everybody's tiptoeing around. 
And sometimes it's because we think, well, that's just the way you got to be. It's a tough world, remember? You just got to, that's the way you got to be. Paul said, why don't you try, just a suggestion, why don't you try being kind? Why don't you not operate from a scarcity mindset, but more of an abundance mindset? You've heard people use those phrases before probably. Scarcity mindset is where there's not enough. Like I got to protect mine. Like I can't do too much good because then the good will get used up and there's not any more good. And the abundance mindset is you know, there's plenty to go around. I mean, like me being kind to someone doesn't take anything away from me. Like I don't lose anything. What, what if the followers of Jesus, what if for one week the followers of Jesus decided we're going to give kindness away like it's free? Because most of the time it's free. Most of the time it's free, and, and there's plenty of it. I mean, if you want to spend a couple dollars to be kind, that's fine too. But you don't have to spend anything to be kind. You could give kindness away for the next seven days like it costs you nothing and like it takes nothing away from you because it doesn't. I mean, if anything, kindness adds to itself. Where kindness is shown, usually there's more kindness. Stop living from this defensive, well, it doesn't work that way in the real world. Maybe it does. Maybe God knew what he was talking about when he told us to be kind. There's a moment in the book uh, wonder where the principal of Augie's school is given a speech. And he quotes J.M. Barry. He's the guy who wrote Peter Pan. This isn't from Peter Pan, but it's from another one of his writings. Here's the quote. Shall we make a new rule of life? Always to try to be a little kinder than is necessary. Can we just make a rule? Always in life to be a little kinder than is necessary. What about the next seven days? Seven days before we come back next Sunday, we just take next seven days and we decide the rule is let's just be a little kinder than is necessary. Let's, let's, not, let's not give scarcity kindness. Oh, I got to kind of measure yours out. I don't want to give too much to you because I got to give some to them. I don't want to be too nice to you because I got to do this tomorrow. So I got to ration this out over seven days. What if we just decided seven days? The rule is we're going to be kinder than is necessary. Every chance that we get. Yes is going to be a word that we use a lot the next seven days. Yes, yeah, sure, of course I will. Just a little kinder than is necessary. Um, I'm not going to ruin the movie too much for you. Um, there's a point in the movie where Augie is in an audience and the audience gives the people on the stage a standing ovation. And because Augie's life has been sheltered so much, he's been kept at home so much, hadn't had a lot of social interaction, he doesn't know what this is. Like he's never seen a standing ovation ever before. And so his mom has to explain to him, hey, this is what they're doing. This is why they're doing They're cheering for those people. They're saying, yay, good job. You did great. So she, she has to explain what a standing ovation is. And he's thinking back on that moment later. And Augie says, Look, I, here's, I, I think this should be the rule. Every person in the world should experience a standing ovation at least once in their life. Isn't that a great rule? I think this should be the rule. Every individual should have everybody stand up and cheer for them at least once. They ought to know that feeling. They ought to know the feeling that people are on my side. People care. What a great rule. 
But maybe, maybe a better rule is that every person should give somebody else a standing ovation every day. I think we would cover everybody in the world if we just decided, like, every day I'm going to find somebody I can cheer for. Instead of waiting for people to cheer for me, that'll come. Every day, I'm going to find somebody to give a standing ovation to. Not literally, or maybe literally, I, I, I don't know. Just maybe somebody that you can say, I, I so appreciate what you do. I'm so thankful for you. You do such a good job when. What a great rule. That everyone in the world should get a standing ovation at least once in their life. Here's another way we complicate kindness. We forget that kindness is a choice. Forget that kindness is a choice. It's something you choose to do for somebody else. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. The stars don't have to line up. You can just decide today, I'm going to be kind. Today, in this moment, I'm going to show kindness to somebody. In the Old Testament portion of the Bible, it's a lot of stories. It's a lot of narratives. Uh, In several of those stories, people appeal for kindness on behalf of their family. Sometimes it's to a king. Uh, Sometimes it's to somebody in authority. Sometimes it's just to a family member or a friend. And it goes something like this. They go to the other person and they say, will you promise to show kindness to my family after I'm gone? You promise years down the road, even if I'm not here, years down the road, will you promise to show kindness? Now, they're not asking them to promise to feel good or to like their family. They're asking them to promise that they will make the choice to demonstrate kindness to someone because kindness is a choice. It's not a a matter of deciding who deserves it or who should get it or who do I want to hand this to. It's a matter of deciding I will choose to be kind. After the principal reads this quote from J.M. Barry, he's reflecting on it, and he says, it reminds me that we carry with us as human beings not just the capacity to be kind, but the very choice of kindness. We carry within us as humans not just the ability. Yeah, we can all be kind. We all have the capacity to be kind. We carry within us the choice to be kind. It's up to you. You decide, I will be kind, I won't be kind. It's, it's a choice. Another, another thought uh, from the book, they, they have lots of rules. They discover a lot of rules, create a lot of rules in the book. Here's one of my favorite. When given the choice between being right or being kind, choose kind. When given the choice between being right or being kind, Choose kind. I know we got some right people in the room. I mean, I get it. I'm a right too. You know, right, wrong, true, false. I I get it. That's a discussion to have. They're simply saying, when you get in those moments where you could press your point, that you could make your point, but it would come at the sacrifice of being kind. When you get in that moment, choose to be kind. It's a choice. Choose to be kind. When you have the choice to be right or to be kind, make the choice to be kind. You see, when I'm not kind, 
It's nobody else's fault. And that's what I want to think. I want to think, well, I wasn't kind today because they said, because he did. Well, if they hadn't, then I would have. When I'm not kind, when I'm not a kind person in general, it's not anybody's fault. It's that I just didn't choose to be kind. That's what kindness comes down to. It comes down to me choosing, you choosing to be kind in that moment. Now, Paul links, I think, a really important concept to kindness in both of these verses. Here's, uh, I'm going to read Ephesians 4 again. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In Colossians, he writes about clothing yourself with kindness. And then he writes, next verse, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Both times he talks about kindness, he immediately talks about forgiveness. Because I think Paul understood. If you and I are carrying stuff from the past, Like if there's resentment and anger and bitterness that we can't turn over to God, that we can't let go of, that we can't forgive. Bitterness and resentment and anger in the past makes it really, really difficult to show kindness in the present. A a lack of forgiveness starts demanding my rights, demanding that things be fair demanding that I get what's coming to me. And so Paul deals with it. He says, look, I want you to be kind, but you need to know If you can't forgive, you're going to have a real hard time being kind consistently. Like if there's still stuff that you're holding on to that you're angry about, it's going to get in the way of you demonstrating kindness. Today, he uses the phrase, bear with one another. Uh, N.T. Wright is an author and a a pastor and a theologian and a professor. He's done tons of writing about Christian subjects. He, he wrote a commentary about Colossians, and it's one of my favorite definitions of what it means to bear with one another. Here's N.T. Wright's definition. Bear with one another means restrain your natural reactions towards odd or difficult people. Let them be themselves. Restrain your natural reactions towards odd or difficult people. Anybody know odd or difficult people? Anybody have odd or difficult people at their job? Anybody have odd or difficult people in their family? Anybody have odd or difficult people sitting on the row with you right now? Amen. I see that hand. God bless you. Yeah. Restrain your natural reaction because your natural reaction toward odd or difficult people is not going to be to be kind. So Paul's not saying it's easy. Paul's saying, look, we're in, a, we're in a world where people are hurt and they bring hurt to work and they bring hurt into family and they bring hurt into relationship. And, and if, if you're waiting for people to be perfect before you're kind to them, you're not ever going to be kind to anybody. Like if you're waiting for somebody to measure up, if there's this, this thing in your mind that, where you're thinking, okay, well, you've been good enough, I'll be kind to you. Well, you're not going to be kind very much. Be kind to one another. And yeah, that means you're going to have to bear with some people that aren't always pleasant. You're going to have to forgive some people that have hurt you. But that's okay. Just be kind. Just make the choice to be 
kind. So we're going to leave for the next seven days. We're going to come back next Sunday. So here's what I'm asking. For the next seven days, could we be kinder than is necessary? Could we make it a goal that some people get standing ovations this week because we decided to be kind to them? There's seven days. Not asking for a lifelong contract here. Seven days. And for some of us, that means we're going to walk into an office tomorrow morning and we're going to have to bear with some people and maybe we're going to have to forgive some people so that we can demonstrate kindness over the next seven days. And for some of us, we're going to have to write the note that we know we've been needing to write and put it in the mail or hand it to somebody. We're going to have to buy somebody coffee or we're going to have to say yes to something. For the next seven days, could we just make it the rule? We're going to be kinder than is necessary. Now, for some of us, that means stepping out in the hallway after this service and asking some people at those tables what you could do to support foster care and adoption. It's going to be stepping out into the hallway and and saying, hey, I... Can I get some information on what it, what it would be to foster? Can I get some information on how I could learn more about fostering? Look, we're not asking you to take a kid home today, all right? That's not the deal. But for some of you, the next step, the kind step, God's putting it on your heart step, is to go to our table and say, is there an information meeting I could attend somewhere or Can I I go to lunch with somebody who's fostering and just ask my questions? Or it's going to be to stop at the the casa table. Say, what what does it mean to be the voice of a child that's in the system? What what does that look like? How how would you go about doing that? Or maybe stop by the CAFO table and say, so what, what do you guys do around the globe when it comes to caring for orphans? Just a little step. That's what it's going to mean for some of you. Seven days. Monday through Saturday. Here's the rule. We're going to be kinder than is necessary for seven days. God, thank you. Thank you for practical, sometimes hard, but ultimately rewarding commands. Thank you for telling us because we forget as, as big people, as adults. We tell our kids, but sometimes we forget to be kind. Let this be the week that we obey Paul's commands in Ephesians 4.32 like never before. Be kind to one another. May this be the week when someone gets a standing ovation from us because we're in their lives. May somebody be cheered for. May someone receive kindness because we name the name of Jesus. We represent an eternal kingdom. May someone's world be kinder this week because we were in it. In Jesus' name, amen.